0: I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Forgotten miracle. That's what I'm tagging this text. The almost Almost. forgotten miracle in Mark chapter 8. Tomorrow night. I'm going to preach from the subject, Get the Hell Out. But for tonight, the almost forgotten miracle. Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. How many love the word of God? I do, I do. If you've already found it, say the word works. If you're still looking for it, say hold up a minute. Mark chapter 8. As we come into Mark, we recognize that he is a man that presents the gospel in a very concise manner. He follows Jesus around like a cameraman would in our day, like a videographer And he's very, very meticulous in what he he presents to us. And with this, he presents a miracle that is almost forgotten. My Lord, my Lord. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way. For some of them have come from afar. And then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness, would you say, in the wilderness? In the wilderness. Uh, He asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said to him, seven. Yes, sir. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before them and they set them before the multitude they also had a few small fish Ah. having blessed them he said to set them also before them so they ate and were filled and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments yes sir Now, those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Yes, sir. Now, Jesus revolutionizes the world in three years. His ministry had, first of all, a year of popularity, then a year of opposition, and then a year of obscurity. I know. In the first year, there were enormous crowds that followed him everywhere he went. They were seizing the kingdom message like diamonds. And of course, that sparked jealousy amongst the Pharisees who were unfair, you see, and the Sadducees who were indeed sad, you see. And the jealousy caused him to have a year of opposition. And so after that first year of crowd after crowd after crowd, he went another year being opposed by Jewish enemies. That provoked the third year, the year of obscurity. So he hid from the crowds and he hid from his enemies for more than a year. And he would only show himself at various times, feasts and festivals, when there would be crowds there and he knew that the enemy could not arrest him and push any type of execution. And so with his year of popularity and the year of obscurity and sandwiched uh, there in the middle, the year of opposition, he was careful about serving, when he served, how he served, and where he served. And the hallmark of his ministry was miracles. What set him apart from every other rabbi or teacher of his day was that Jesus worked miracles. Now, there were others who had disciples, including John, the baptizer, but Jesus had miracles. Jesus had miracles. John had a voice. His voice echoed all around the areas where he preached along the banks of the Jordan watercourse. But Jesus had miracles. Jesus there had were miracles. those that uh, were still teaching people to pray, still reading the word, the Old Testament. There were those even like Barabbas who were false Christ's that were calling crowds together for the purpose of mob violence and insurrection. But Jesus Jesus. had miracles. How did you know that he was different from these other fellows, some who are pretending, others who are proclaiming? It is because he performed miracles. Now, miracles, the, the, the Greek word simeon means a sign so the miracles of jesus were signs of his person signs of god's presence and signs of god's power the reason miracles were so important was that miracles demonstrated the power of god he never wanted people to serve the idea of miracles, but rather to follow the God whose power caused those miracles to happen. Yes, sir. Even yes, sir. today, he doesn't want us to be chasing after miracles. The Bible said these signs shall follow those that believe. It did not say those that believe should follow after signs. And in too many cases today, you've got people running around looking for a miracle when you're supposed to be looking for the Lord. It's not the miracle, it's the God of the miracles. It's the God that causes miracles to happen that we should be drawn to. And the reason why Jesus worked miracles is because Jesus is the Son of God. God. I wish I had a witness here. That understood that the Bible said that God, our Father, who created us so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know that all of us are sons and daughters by creation, but Jesus is the only begotten son. And if I had a good definition for begotten, it would mean he is the only son that God has made out of the same stuff that God is made out of. Now we're made from the dust of the earth, but Jesus is the son of God. And when he was born, he was born 100% God. And at the same time, 100% man. Yeah, yeah. He is the God man. Not 50% God and 50% man. He is all God. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, he is all man. Talk to Sometimes her. you hear people make statements like, Well, I'm only human. But the truth is, it takes the salvation of Jesus Christ to really make you human. Without God. You're like an animal. God, oh Without God, you're like a fallen angel. What Without God, say? you're like a demon spirit. Without God, you are less than a man, less than a woman. It takes God in your life to make you really human. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Jesus is the Son of God. Can you say He is? the son of God but not only is Jesus the son of God Jesus is God the son so when you look at him you're not looking just at one born in Bethlehem working miracles died on a cross and was raised from the dead you're looking at God himself you're looking at God you're looking at the reflection of God if God looked in the mirror, he would see Jesus looking back at him. That's why the unknown writer of the book of Hebrews talks about him in chapter 1 and calls him the express image of the person of God. Meaning that if God took a selfie, the picture would come back as Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is the son of God. I wish I had a witness. Yeah. And at the same time, Jesus is God the son. And although atheists deny him and agnostics doubt him, I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus is. Right after the shootings the other week, I heard one of the commentators on one of the great news networks mention that people were calling for prayer. He said, I don't believe in prayer this. because I'm an agnostic and I don't believe in this God that people talk about. He said, as a matter of fact, in America, Sunday has become just another Saturday. Wow! But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is. And for those who would get upset and for those who would think that God is angry when people talk like that, I'm here to let you know God welcomes that type of a challenge. <laughs> you see, anytime you bring him up, he shows up, whether you intended to bring him in or not. <laughs> when an atheist says there is no God, he just admitted there is a God. Because he had to stop and think about God one way or the other before he opened his mouth. And the very thought of God, considering God, wondering about God, establishes the fact that God is real. No, the God I serve, he doesn't run from a controversy. He welcomes your questions. He welcomes your doubt. Because doubt is always the prerequisite of faith you said and on your deathbed who are you going to call to for mercy i wish i had a witness here there and if go. nothing else comes out of the tragedies that we've had in this country over the last few days it has served forth multitudes as a reawakening of the need for god in our lives I I hear the mayors talking about prayer, the governors talking about prayer. And although they may may be talking about some God that we don't serve, it reminds the backslider that you still need God. I wish I had some yeah, help here. Yeah. It reminds the doubter that's twisting and turning in and out of his own mind. His brain is swerving like a three legged stool, but it still reminds him that there is a God. And Jesus is, I say, God the Son. And I, I don't care. I mean, you may find other faiths, you may find other teachers, you may find other religious leaders, but none of them have miracles. I've been in church all my life. I've been around religion all of my life. I have never heard anybody stand up and testify I was sick and Mohammed healed me. What am I've never, heard. I've never heard anybody say I needed a way made out of nowhere and Buddha made a way for me. Oh, I don't have any help here. I've I never heard anybody say I was down and without and I didn't know which way to turn and, and Zodiacus came in my room and rocked me in a weary land. But do you know I can find more people than we can put in this sanctuary just in Besma tonight that can stand up here and say, I was sick and Jesus healed me? Yeah, yeah. I was broke, busted, disgusted. I was in despair. I was desperate. I was down and out, delusion, in dismay, and Jesus made a way when I was no way. All right, all right. Oh, I can find people, old and young, of every generation, from the from the GI generation to the Silent Generation to the Baby Boomers, the Baby Busters, the Millennials, and the Digital Natives that will let you know if you need help, you got to call on Him. I heard him say three thousand years ago, "Call on me Call on in him. the day of trouble, and I will answer you." In yeah. another place, I heard him say, "Call on me, and I will show you great and mighty things you did not know." Yeah, yeah, he did. And too. if you need a miracle, ain't no need of running around talking about As-Salaam-Alaikum. <laughs> I say, if you need a miracle, I wish I could find a witness. Ain't no need of you going around talking about, well, you know, I believe in some of these uh, Eastern religions and I'm a Scientologist. My Lord. You need to find Jesus. I, don't it, don't I say he's the only one I know yeah, yeah. that has miracles. has miracles.
1: And on his
0: flag flies miracles. Yeah. Yeah, the banner over his head says, Miracles. My Lord. And the greatest miracle of all is salvation. He may heal your sickness, but you can get sick again. Yes, sir. I don't have a witness here. He may help you with your bills, but you may get in debt again. But if He ever saves you, it's a done deal. Yes, sir. You're saved forever. forever. That which God has put in his hand, no man can pluck it out. I say you're saved forever. And I, and I feel sorry for some of my brethren that have been preaching you can be saved and lost. I then saved too. again and lost again. I feel sorry for you. Too. That you don't understand that when God saves a man or woman, listen, ain't nothing for them to go back to. Because if any man be in Christ. what is He is. He is a new creature. new creature. All things are passed away. And all things become. Oh. The truth is when he saved me, he erased my past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said when he saved me, he I, was, I was born wrong the first time. So I had to be born again. You know, first time I was born, my mother told me about it. But the second time I was born, I told my mother about it. Because when he saves you, he, it is settled forever. And that's a miracle. And when you look in the Bible, understand that the miracle is prophetic for us. And this miracle, the feeding of the 4,000. Yes, sir is almost forgotten. Because it's, it's kind of hidden, you know, behind the feeding of the 5,000. Yes, yeah, sure, Yes, yeah, sir. Now, everybody knows about the feeding of the 5,000. As a matter of fact, with the feeding of the 5,000, all four writers of the Gospels talk about that. That's the only miracle all four of them talk about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about the feeding of the 5,000. But this one that we've read, The Feeding of the 4,000, is only written by Matthew and Mark. It's almost forgotten. Well, why is it almost forgotten? Well, you know that 5,000 miracle, that was huge. Matter of fact, it was larger than 5,000. Yes, sir. It said, not counting women. And children, I, I need a witness here. Yes, so if the if if the men, five thousand men, if most of them were married, that would increase the numbers. Yes, sir. And back then they practiced, you know, one man could have more than one wife. So some of those dudes had two or three wives. Yes. <laughs> That's gonna bump it up a little more. And then if they had children, one, two, three, four. And some of y'all come from families where mom and daddy had 10 children. Yes, yeah, sir. So that miracle, we could be talking about 20, 25, 30, 35, 40,000 folk could have been there, but they only counted the heads of the household. Yeah, yeah. The priest of the home. 5,000 men, but the 4,000 says nothing about women and children. And you know how we are. We think the bigger it is, the better it is. There's some people that can't serve the Lord well in their churches because they think the bigger church is the better church. Not understanding that sometimes the more folk you got, the more hell you got to deal with. No matter who we are, listen, it's all right to be a small church, but it's bad to be a weak church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no matter what number we have, if we are dedicated to God, if we have a vision that's pushing us forward in serving the kingdom of God, if we are doing what the word says do, small in number does not mean that you won't be powerful in the Lord. I wish I had a witness here. And for those who are here tonight that's just running from church to church, always trying to stay in the biggest one, I've got news for you tonight. The truth is that God ain't so concerned about the biggest church. What God is looking for is the faithful church. church, the praying church, the fasting church, the church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear of what the world is going to say back to them. The church that will go out and make sure that we're visited in prison, that the hungry are fed, that the naked are clothed. I wish I had some help here. Jesus said, I was sick and you didn't show up. You were sitting down in a sanctuary trying to be important rather than serve your fellow man. He said, I was in jail, and you didn't come to see me. I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. And that's what he judges our power by. God Almighty knows. So, the one with the two fish and the five loaves, everybody knows that one. (laughs) The 5,000 crowds bigger. yeah. With fewer loaves of bread. Five loaves. Yes, sir. And maybe 25, 30, 40,000 people. The 4,000 crowd is smaller with more bread. Well, Look at that. Had Look. seven loaves. Seven loaves sure did. 5,000 plus crowd had two fish. Mm-hmm. This 4,000 has a few fish. Yeah, yeah. Can't go. And nobody likes you when you're numbered in a few. (laughs) The 5,000 plus crowd was with him one long day. But the 4,000 crowd was with him for three days. Can you say three days? Three days. Three days, yeah. The 5,000 crowd, there were 12 baskets of fragments left over. But in this 4,000 crowd, there were seven baskets left over. In the 5,000 crowd, the disciples debated with Jesus on a solution. Yeah, yeah. He said, what shall we do to feed this many? And they kept saying, we ain't got enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. That's right. He said, well, what do you have? Oh, really nothing. There's a little boy here. Let me tell you, master, how pitiful this is. A boy over there has a lunch, and he's the only one with food, and he only has like five biscuits and two sardines. Yes, sir. That's all that little boy got. And Jesus said, now tell me me now, what do you have? And y'all... They counted everything but the most important resource. They said they had five loaves. They said they had two fish. And then, Dr. Foster, they said they had 200 pennies. But they forgot that they also had one Jesus. And the truth is, if you ain't got but five loaves and two fish and 200 pennies, if you put Jesus with that, that's more than enough. I could use a little energy coming back to me. The truth of the matter is, no matter how little you have, if you don't have but a dollar in your bank account, if you put one Jesus with that one dollar, it can be more than enough. The truth is you may not have all the education somebody else has. You may not have all the resources somebody has. You may be a single mother trying to make it from day to day and day to day and week to week and fortnight to fortnight and month to month. But if you put one Jesus with whatever you have, the hungry can be fed. The naked can be He will provide whatever you need. I can use a little I, help here. I hear you Turn sure. me up a little bit back there. I hear you sure, in the 5,000, <laughs> they counted everything available Yeah, yeah. but Jesus. But you see, the 4,000 miracle comes after the 5,000 miracle. All right. So they got sense enough now to not debate with him. Yeah. I know. See, in the 5,000 plus miracle, they didn't know what he was going to do. But now they have seen what he can do. So when they saw the 4,000, Mark does not record any debate. No discussion. All right. He said, what are we going to do? And they just stood there and waited on instructions. They remembered what he had already done. I wonder if I got anybody here tonight that remembers. What the Lord has already done. Because once he gets on your record, of what he's already done, you know what he can do. You know, if you're wondering why I'm not worried about what's going on in the country right now, I know what the Lord can do. But you don't know what he can do until he's done it for you. I wish I had a little help. You could be sitting here tonight listening to those testimonies, open heart surgery and other things, and that sounds good and you say amen, but you don't really know what he can do. Until he has to come in your sick room. Until he has to hold your doctor's hand. You don't really know what he can do until your doctor looks at you and says, I don't know if anything can be done. And he healed your body. And he made a way for you. Once you get him on record, I wish I had a witness. I said, I got a, I got a record with him. I got a resume I don't want to make you think I'm all of that I'm not super spiritual either I know I'm a preacher But the truth is I'm here to tell you I got a resume and a rap sheet And they don't need you looking at me In that tone of voice You got a rap sheet too You got some sins in your past That are capital S Capital I Capital N Capital S Come on now, I know we come in the church and we make like we never did anything wrong. We look down at others when they walk in and wonder when they're going to get right and you just got right yesterday. The truth is, I don't just have a resume in the Lord, I got a rap sheet. Everybody in church wants you to look at their resume listen Adam oh I've been in church for years oh I remember when mother cornbread used to sit over there oh I remember when deacon Collard Green used to pray till it looked like the roof was gonna fall down in the church yeah but what about when you was in the club and barely got out alive oh I don't have any help around here what about when you got so drunk you don't even know how you got home when you got so high it took you three days to come back down? What about when you slept with somebody and you don't even know who you slept with or what happened when you slept with them? Oh, you got a rap sheet. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. If anybody ought to be shouting in church right now, it ought to be you. When they sing Amazing Grace, you ought to come up here and lead the church in it. Oh, he brings miracles now I'm almost through with this little sermon but I want to talk about the staging of it the surety of it, the stretching of it and the shortage that became overflow he worked a miracle ha, check this out y'all in the desert verse number 4 Bible study then his disciples answered him how can one satisfy These people with bread here in the wilderness. You know, the Lord will often lead us to a place where there is no obvious solution. Now, sometimes we have convenient solutions run out of money, call your mama. I don't have a witness. I mean, sometimes we got some obvious solutions. We got friends and family, relatives. We got, we got folk we can borrow or beg from. But what about when you borrowed all you could and begged up on all you could get? And people see your number come up and won't answer the phone. You know, before we had cell phones, they call you at home. And without the, the sophisticated technology of call waiting and call alert, you wouldn't know who was on the other end of the phone so you'd end up answering the phone hearing their voice and saying to yourself oh shoot but when you call now they see your number and turn the phone back over anybody ever been unemployed and baby I'm not talking about unemployed for two or three months I'm talking about for seasons. You lost your job in the winter. Now it's summer. Then fall. Then it's winter again. Now it's been over a year. Your pennies have run out. All, any, any, any little assistance Obama signed up for, it's run out. You're in the wilderness. Anybody ever invested all they had in a marriage? And it fell apart. I mean, dude just went plum crazy. You giving your heart, giving your best, trying to be the best wife you can be and trying to do things the way you were taught to do them at the church. And you're trying to live the life. And then the next thing you know, he has messed up everything. A woman thought she was a good wife and she is gone. That's the desert. So many people come to church in the desert. You probably sitting next to somebody right now. If you looked at your neighbor, I mean really looked at them to know that they're in a desert. Because you know at church we can hide it real good. We know when to say hallelujah. We know when to say praise the Lord. We know when to wave our hand. And we got everybody on our row thinking that we're doing good. But I'm here to tell you there's some folk in this room tonight living in the desert. You left the desert at home. You brought the desert to this service. And you hate to go home when you leave here. You go out and get in your car tonight and wonder, can I go anywhere else? The desert is the place of desolation. But here's what I need you to remember, child of God. It's not only the place of desolation. The desert is a place of development. Because spiritual champions come through the desert. Name anybody you want to name in the Bible that was a great person and I will show you the time they spent in the desert. Greatest one in the Old Testament, Moses, grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. A prince in Egypt living in the home of Pharaoh. Messed it up. Have you ever messed up at the prime of your life? at age 40, murdered a man and ended up living 40 years in the desert. Who do you want to talk about? Joseph, the man who became like the secretary of agriculture in Egypt. Joseph, the second in command to Pharaoh. Joseph, I mean to uh, the king. Who do you want to talk about? Look at him, 20 years. I mean, he was a good-hearted guy, lovable guy. You'd love him. He'd be your best friend, victim of sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh, I'm here to tell you the first victim of sexual harassment recorded in history was not a woman whose male boss hit on her. It was a guy whose female boss hit on him. I wish I had... (laughs) Come on, help me now. This is not lifetime television for women, but help me now. I know, you know, everybody, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Well, the first victim of sexual harassment on the job was a man. He was in the house and she grabbed him, tried to force him, and he ran. But he left his clothes in her hand. Brothers, you need to be careful now while you leave your clothes. Because when her husband got home, she held up his pants and said, Look at this. He abused me. But he became the great one. Come on, y'all. Who you want to talk about? Let's go straight to the top. Jesus, he experienced the wilderness, born in a barn. You're not hearing me. Spent his early toddler years in Egypt. And then after receiving baptism, which is the tip top, of the Bible at that point before the crucifixion his baptism was so important all of God showed up John baptized God in Jordan and while John was baptizing God in Jordan, God descended from heaven in the form of a dove and lit upon God and while God was on God in Jordan God spoke from heaven and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased but after that, he goes to the wilderness. If you're going to ever be effective as a believer, you got to come to terms with the wilderness. I pity people who join church on the bargain program that says, if I join church, if I get saved, hopefully my luck will change. I got news for you. You will suffer persecution. Persecution. I know that doesn't get a lot of folks saved, does it? Because we think the way to get people saved is to promise them that pie in the sky. We think the way to get folks saved is to tell them, You come on to the Lord, all of your troubles are going to be over. But the mistake you make is you pray and ask God to use you. And God can't use you until you've graduated From your development course in the wilderness. You must enroll in the University of Adversity. You must go through the program. I wish I had a witness around here. And listen, pray all you want, fast all you want, worship all you want, pay your tithe and do right. You're still going to wake up one day in the wilderness. Because you ask God to use you but what you don't understand is he will use you but not the way you are. See, we think that we bring a good person to God and God is going to take us and go forward. No, God is going to strip you of yourself. He's going to bring all that pride down to the ground. He's going to wring that arrogance out of you. He's going to sow. Bring you down in humiliation, you'll be glad when he picks you up. It's a place of training. He stages miracles. Why am I in the wilderness? I got I got the answer. It's real simple. (laughs) So he can get you out. Why am I hungry? So he can feed you. Why am I so lonely? So he can comfort you. All right, all right. He has to stage the miracle. See, folk that already got everything they want, they won't believe in the miracle. All right. And they're not properly positioned to receive a miracle. You know what makes a miracle a miracle? It's because your life is in a mess. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were walking down the street one day and they saw a beggar, mm-hmm. humble fellow that was shaking his cup and asking for money. And prejudiced spiritual students said to Jesus, who sinned, that man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said to his students, neither that man nor his parents. Well, why is he blind? So that you can see the glory of God. Hey, y'all, have you ever thought that sometimes you're where you are so that you will experience the glory of God? And so the church will see the glory of God? That that open-heart surgery might not have been necessary in your mind, but now you can get up in the church and talk about it. And you say, well, why did it happen? Maybe it happened so that others will see the glory of God. Are you willing to let God use you as a showcase? Are you willing? Now, young people don't do this now, but when we didn't have much to entertain us, remember when we used to go window shopping? You'd be holding hands with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, walking down the sidewalk about this time of night downtown to be just a cool breeze what y'all doing we wonder shopping ain't got no money but the mannequins were dressed up so nice are you willing to let God dress you up nice so that others will be convicted by your testimony hey it's cool cause they were hungry everybody said they were hungry they were in the wilderness. Everybody said they were in the wilderness. It had been three days. Everybody said it had been three days. But Jesus was there too. Now I don't want to be hungry if Jesus ain't there. And I don't want to be in the wilderness if Jesus ain't there. And I don't want longevity in my situation if Jesus ain't there here's what I learned in my life if Jesus is there all I gotta do is wait on him because what's required of believers is not solutions but patience so my mama used to sing in the senior choir down at Buell in Tuscaloosa I can call him Jesus will win I can call him Jesus will win I can call him Jesus will win. I'll take Jesus. He'll help me to win. So I want to move and I'm, I'm about done. The surety of the miracle, verse number two. He, Jesus said, here's the way Jesus is. I have compassion on the multitude. See, the disciples, they ain't got no compassion. They're businessmen. They always calculate. Figuring, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? You know, they're politicians like the Republican convention going on even as we speak tonight. Ain't no compassion up in there. That's about money. That's why they want to make Archie Bunker the next president. That's about money. After all, we are trillions of dollars in debt. So they're thinking you put a billionaire in the White House, we can at least make a payment on that debt. But he has compassion. I wish the church would say compassion. See, compassion is not sympathy. A whole lot of folk got sympathy, ain't got no compassion. Compassion. When you got sympathy, you go to the home of a sick person, you standing there knowing they're sick, been sick a while, see dishes need to be washed, see clothes need to be washed, folded and put away, the house dirty, and you stand right at the sick bed. If I can do anything, let me know. No, but sympathy will say, let me help you here. Let me take care of these dishes for you. They'll almost have to stop and say, no, baby. Oh, no, uh-uh, honey, I got it, I got it, I'll do it. Well, no, baby, you ain't got to do it. Listen, I'm here to help you out. I didn't just come to get a report and call somebody. I don't think she going to be there much longer. Look like she going down. Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude because now they've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Now, you know, I'm through, but you know what What got me? He fed them and didn't even know them. I mean, folk, you ain't known but three days. You can't hardly remember their name. I don't know about you. I've been in church a long time. I got saved a long time ago when I was 11 years old. I got off that morning's bench on a Wednesday night about this time of night. And I walked up and, you know, back then they didn't, they didn't ask you no questions. Now we interview everybody, you know, do you believe? Do you? Yeah, but back then you had to talk for yourself. I got off that morning's bench and my father looked at me. He said, son, how do you feel? And I, I had to take it from there. I, I said, I feel like God has endowed me with the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what that meant, but one of the preachers that preached his revival one year had preached on being endowed with the Holy Ghost. So I figured if I said that, that would be the password to get me in the church. He said, son, how do you feel? I said, I said, daddy, I feel like God has endowed me with the Holy Ghost. He said, you do? I said, yes, sir. He said, say on. And I said, and I want to join the church. You do? I said, yes, sir. You want to be baptized? Yes, sir. And then they always ask you this. Are you willing to be governed by the rules and regulations of this church? As if I knew what the rules and regulations were. Not only did I not know what they were, but the way they acted in a business meeting, I don't think they knew what they were either. I've been saved a long time, any saved folk here. Here's what occurred to me. If he will work a miracle for people he hadn't known but three days, what about you? What about me? Because I'm in covenant with him. And if he will feed them, surely he will feed us. If he would heal strangers, surely he will heal us. If he will make ways for people he doesn't know, surely he'll make ways for us. I don't know about you, but every day of my life, I bank on my relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes my fellowship with him hadn't been as strong as it should have been there are some days I didn't pray can I tell you that and you won't judge me there are some days I didn't read a scripture there are some days I forgot to tell him good morning but he still woke me up the next day he still made ways when I needed ways made and you know what I found out because I am his child See, God got two families on the earth, the the created family and the redeemed family. And I happen to be a member of both. Now, the sinner is a member of the created family. But a saint is not only God's creation, but God's redeemed. And I bank on our relationship every day. And every time I get in trouble, I call on my father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our. You know, in the Bible, never before had God been called Father. Look through the Old Testament. You don't hear Moses calling him Father. They call him all kind of names back there. Jehovah and El-Sedai and Adonai. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, here's what y'all got to remember when you pray. You enter into the intimacy of a family relationship. When you pray, you're not some creature talking to your creator. You are a son talking to your father. You are a daughter talking to your father. When you pray, you have a connection, a relationship. He, and he is not a daddy, he's a father. And he ain 't no sugar daddy he 's a father, and he ain 't no big daddy he 's a father, he cares, he guides, he leads, he provides he 's got everything you need yeah, 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 yeah. sure. yeah. uh, it 's a surety, and he stretched their faith, he said, "Tell me verse six, how many loaves do you have it says seven and i'm i 'm through with this he said Tell everybody, sit down. Now, how do you get hungry folk to sit down? In other words, no sit down, no miracle. Well, they've been out there hungry three days. I said they haven't eaten or ate in three days. How do you get them to sit down? You know why there was an uproar in Turkey? Hunger. You know why you see in the darkness of the night, young people marching, shouting no justice, no peace? Hungry. You know why you see governments overthrown? Hunger. How do you get hungry people to sit down? Here is a man, he's got his wife and children. He is their hero. His children have been pulling on his clothes for two days. Daddy, I'm hungry. This man feels a responsibility to go out and find food for his children. His wife, and you know how women can do, ain't you going to do something? (laughs) What kind of man are you? Y'all know how they do. What kind of man did I marry? We hungry. And what does he do? Go over there and sit down. Y'all come over here and sit down. Sit down. Why do you think they even included that verse in here if it were not to let you know if you don't stop looking out for yourself as number one God cannot look out for you oh you're not hearing what I'm saying I'm not saying be irresponsible oh no I'm not saying that I'm saying when you're in a position where can't nobody help you but God you need to get out of his way sit down And he broke fish and bread. Late Dr. L. Brasher said he'd break the head off of a fish and another head would pop up. Ah, Every time he'd break fish, there'd be more fish. Because remember in whose hand the fish and bread is being broken. I wish I had some help around here. It's the same hand that made fish to begin with. It's the same hand that made the grain that grows out of the ground for bread. And in his hand, little becomes much. And everybody, can you say everybody? I'm looking at my chair now. I said, can you say everybody? Everybody got fed were leftovers because God can never provide enough he always provides more than enough it is not his nature to give enough it is really his nature to do much more than enough you see the bible said where sin abounded grace did much more about whenever you deal with God you're always dealing with much more because he is the God of overflow he is the God of increase he is the God of multiplication maybe the problem is we're praying too small We only want God to meet the need, not understanding that his record is that he provides more than what you need. Not just enough meal and enough oil for one day, but the meal barrel will run over. And the oil will not fail in the cruise He is the God of much more And he even said When you come to my house Bring ye all the tithe And put it in the storehouse And see me open The windows of heaven and then see me blessing you won't have room to receive he is the god of much more but you know what i want to tell you the reason why we got this miracle it happened on the third day can anybody say third day jesus is a third Savior Abraham took Isaac to the mountain as a sacrifice, but on the third day there was a ram in the bush, Jesus goes to the wedding at Cana of Galilee, and on the third day, he turns water into wine, and one Friday, does anybody know Friday one Friday morning uh, he took a Roman cross uh, on his shoulder Thursday night They marched him From judgment hall To judgment hall And Friday morning He was hung up For our hang ups They hung him high And they stretched him wide One Friday morning The sun Went down In the middle of the day One Friday morning darkness covered the earth and the earth began to shake like a man with Parkinson's disease. One Friday morning he died on that cross but three days can anybody say the third day three days later he rose from the dead on the third day and his Sufficient ah, give me one more minute, one more minute ah, ah, his great. Ah, His grace. I said, His grace. He was one that went in the ground, but he's been multiplied. He was God's son that went in the ground. But I heard him say, Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground, it abides alone. On the third day, he rose. And because he lives, look at us in here tonight. We live, we live, because he lives, because he lives.